0: the first time that my mother saw my father beat me, I was eight weeks old. And from that, you can imagine the cascading abuse and experiences and kind of uh, ownership of that that I would take over the course of my life and the places that I would find myself replaying that kind of relationship again and again and again until I divorced myself of it.
1: Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris and I wanna make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Tough Talks, conversations on mental toughness. I'm your host, Chris Doris. And before we get to our, our guest today, uh, let's take care of our one housekeeping item, which is if you are not getting my daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less delivered to your email inbox every morning at around 6 a.m., wherever you are on the planet, 365 days of the year. And if you're not getting notifications of my blog posts or getting my new blog posts, which come out every Tuesday... And if you're not getting notified of these new Tough Talks uh, episodes, then, um, which come out on every other Thursday, then please go to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, com backslash lists, name, email, click, and you get all the goodies. So, our guest today was introduced to me by a former Tough Talks guest, Meredith Bell. Thank you, Meredith, for this remarkable introduction. Uh, I appreciate you. And our guest today, her name is Dr. Bridget Cooper, or Dr. B for short. Uh, I want to read you her um, bio, but then I want to give you a little bit of um, a, a more about her, which she doesn't uh, spell out here. So she writes it in first person. I'm a cage rattler. I'm going to ask her to elaborate on that. Change agent, thought shifter, sculptor of human potential with degrees and careers in human resource management, systems theory, counseling, and educational leadership. I have the experience, insight, techniques, and most importantly, the courage to take you from crisis mode and drama to responding with intention and calm. I'll give you the tools and create the perception shift you need to redefine problems and to find the power within you to address problems regardless of what someone else is doing. I want more for you. I want you to stop living smaller than you're capable of. I wanna liberate you to live in your fullest potential. Where does this passion come from? A brutal appreciation of time. The finite amount that we have of it. Day after day, I see people, I see the squandering of time, not just through our smartphones. I mean, the wasting of our potential, of our happiness of our opportunities to leave this world better for having had us, of the legacy we leave on this planet, our unique footprint. What's this got to do with my story? I've lost friends to accidents and disease. My father died at 45. My mother and stepfather are 69 through medical mysteries, mishaps, and bad choices on my part. I've faced death several times in my relatively short life. I've seen people take themselves way too seriously and squander their success and peace of mind as a result. What did I learn? The only way to value our finite time is to live life large in your career and in your personal life, to refuse to settle for less than a life of abundance. For me, it's not about the money you earn. It's about the effect you make on others and the world. We're all going to die. <laughs> There's no way out alive. What you do with the time you have here is what matters. Take risks. Live authentically. Be real. Find yourself. Share your gifts. Be vulnerable. Show compassion. Face challenges. Create peace. Be inspired. Do good work. You know where to find me. Peace, Doctor B. That's pretty cool. Now, what she doesn't say there is, this woman has endured unthinkable abuse, like abuse of just about every um, kind. And she, she, she. In in this book, she's written six books, Little Landslides. She takes you through um, these stories, and it's hardcore. It's hardcore. And in this book, this is the one we're going to talk with her a lot about uh, today, her book, Pain Rebel, uh, how we take our power back. You know, you're about to experience a human being who has endured like some unthinkable shit. Right. And who has done the hard work of healing, like the real deep work, done the work to the point where now she herself is a healer. I've had limited contact with her prior to this um, interview. What I do know from, uh, you know, uh, the brief conversation we had and from her her book is that she's not into like nice, lovely chats. She wants to she she brings it like she she's practical. She calls herself a practical pain rebel. And uh, she wants to give us gifts of like of how to heal, how to how to free ourselves from pain, how to create from pain. This is some powerful stuff. All right. Let's go find her, Doctor B. Where yet? And here she is, Doctor hey. B.
0: How are you, Chris?
1: Phenomenal. You know, I, I I dressed appropriately today.
0: Oh, pain is inevitable; suffering is optional. Love it. To we're
1: gonna we're gonna get to that. We have to get yes. to. that. But I thought this is the perfect shirt for you.
0: That is the perfect shirt for
1: me of all the perfect shirts in the world. And I could just like, so you're just like, let the word pain be there.
0: Yeah. The pain just sits there. So pain Pain. rebel, I'll just be the rebel. You'll be the pain. And then we'll, we'll make that. So
1: yeah, we were going to need to talk about this.
0: We're going to, you have some yellow sticky notes in there, Chris, what is happening?
1: Well, you got a lot to say. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and and a lot of it is very important. Uh, what's frustrating for me, unless it isn't, that's just a shitty interpretation. But what's challenging, we'll say, is okay. there's so much stuff that I want to talk with you about that we can't possibly get to it all and have this not be a six hour podcast.
0: So we're going to so, do a series. Is that what I heard you just say?
1: Uh, you that well? That was that was in there maybe. That's, yeah. <laughs> Well, you got me. We got six books out in the world. You know, I told I folks a little bit about you in the intro, but I didn't want to spoil it uh, because your, oh. your story's is un- uh, unreal. Your story's unreal.
0: Thank you. Your story
1: is unbelievable. That you're healthy, happy, sane, and serving is unreal. It's amazing. All yeah. those
0: things are debatable. And on a spectrum, but I'll go with I'll go with I'll go with that. I'll go with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talk about crazy in your book, but um, in one of your books, probably in many of your books. But let's just start. Yeah. Here. All right. A couple things. One, I I know it's long, but if you you know, what's the semi-condensed version, if there's even a possibility of doing that, of your story, like. Hey, Dr. B, what's your story? So
0: there are so many avenues to travel down. But since uh, I think it gives the essence of why I am who I am, why I do what I do, is because I was born into a family that was, I mean, they ate dysfunctional for breakfast. Uh, It was a family of just raw abuse and neglect and addiction and mental illness. And what it gave me was a really uh, strong appreciation for how much people are affected by painful beginnings and experiences and how we transfer pain from one person, one family member, one generation to another. So I made it my life purpose to help people get a different relationship to themselves, to pain so that they wouldn't transfer it and I talk about it in my TED talk. I talk about it in little landslides uh, quite extensively about the upbringing. But you know, people say, "Okay, what does what does that mean?" You know, landslides you
1: just mentioned. Landslides just yes. Just you or, yep,
0: that's the book. Uh, actually, redesigning the cover and I think and insert some photos in it because I got wow. so many comments from people who read little landslides because little landslides is my is my biogra- autobiography yeah. and I talk about my upbringing and I talk about you know kind of different episodes in my life from the first person and so when people read it they said I wanted to see more pictures Ooh. I wanted to see you at those ages I wanted to see your parents wow. and so I subsequent to the book being published, I was actually able to secure the photos from my childhood and from my parents. So I'm going to re-release wow. it and hope to put some photos in it, which will make that, I think that experience even more powerful yeah. to be able to see the the images. So yeah, I think, you know, the condensed version of, I mean, I think that's the, that's the high points. I think some of the little anecdotes, one of them I covered in my Ted talk is that The first time that my mother saw my father beat me, I was eight weeks old. And from that, you can imagine the cascading abuse and experiences and kind of uh, ownership of that that I would take over the course of my life and the places that I would find myself replaying that kind of relationship again and again and again until I divorced myself of it.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting way of putting it. And what was that? When did you it divorce? Happened, I,
0: mm-hmm. I think, I think that one of the final cuts was my own actual divorce was saying not this life. Like Elizabeth Gilbert has this, uh, framework of, I don't know what I'm looking for, but it's not this. And I had that same experience of, I don't know exactly where I'm headed, but it's not here. Like this can't continue to be my story where I continue to make myself smaller and more responsible for the treatment I'm receiving by other people but it started in baby steps. We don't, I don't think there's, I wish I had this magic wand where you could go from that kind of an experience, not bringing to, you know, wave, 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 you know, the, the witch to nose wiggle. And all of a sudden you're just better. I think you take a few steps forward, you slide a little, you take a few steps forward, you slide a little. And so my, my big, my big shift, my big first transition, and I cover it in little landslides is when I decided that if I was going to survive, I was going to need I was going to need to cut my father out of my life. I was not going to be able to maintain that unhealthy relationship and get any health for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And it was raw and brutal and ugly and awkward and painful, but it was necessary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you were abused in every conceivable way. Correct. Starting at the very beginning. Correct. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: sure. All the way through. Yeah. Do you consider yourself healed?
0: I consider that is is ripe. Um, And I've been asked that question so many times. And it is ripe with... I think, um, an expectation that we ever are. So there are, um, there are wounds and there are scars and I have no wounds. I have scars. What's that mean? It means that a wound is something that if you think about it, when you've had one, if someone touches a wound or something gets in it, it is widened. It is deepened. It is uh, infected. It, you know, it gets worse and worse, right? If somebody touches a scar, there's evidence that you were injured, that you once had a wound, but they can't hurt you in it. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have a vulnerability in and of itself. So I am healed to the point of having scars, but I know where my scars are. And I know what some of my vulnerabilities have been in the past, and I am in awareness of them, right? Like I still have those tender places where I go, oh, yeah, been there, done that. Ooh, it's back, right? And an awareness about that, um, that history and the thread that is continued through time.
1: Hmm. That's, a, that's an amazing distinction. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <clears throat> well, how, would you, how would you answer this question? Uh, what's your, what is your big message? What is, your, what is the thing that you most want humans to know?
0: I want people to know the beauty and potential that they were placed here to share and to live in. That whatever has happened to them, whatever they have done, that they were born and destined for more than a limited, pained existence. That whatever it was that was foisted upon them, whatever it was that they then did with that pain, that they can set it down and they can live something more majestic and beautiful and awe-inspiring as they were meant to do.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and I'm there, you know, I call myself a cage rattler. I'm there to rattle the cage that their people are trapped in that they forget like the hotel California song that they've had the key all along to get out. And I want to shake them into that awakening so that they can get out of that cage and remove the obstacles that are holding them back from living that full, loving, beautiful, tragic, painful amazing life like all of those things are part of that journey you know and I want them I want people to be able to to live in that fullness a lot like you just I think with different tactics and lenses
1: yeah I was gonna you beat me to the punch I was gonna ask you why you refer to yourself as a cage rattler but well, yeah, there it is. That's cool. I get
0: some looks when I say that, and uh, <laughs> that's perfect,
1: that's perfect sense. But, like the cage yeah. is metaphorical for you know your your perception that you're stuck in pain, the cage of pain, pain cage.
0: Yeah, or like history, or that's just how I am, or that's mm, where I came mm. from. Or let me tell oh, yeah. you, and this is I and I put this in pain, rebel that we you get watch these your mouth, things. right. Yeah, well, we talk. We have these what I call pain resumes, which we're like, hang right. on, hold up. So we meet someone, whether it's romantic or friendship or whatever, and we're like, hold up, let me tell you why I behave the way I behave, why I have the limitations I have, why I can't do the thing you're asking me to do, Mm. why I'm going to mess this up. And we go back and we do this pain resume of like, first this happened, first my dad, then my mom, then my sister, then my brother, then my uncle, then my, you know, whoever it is, right? And we tell these stories and they create this reason for why we got to this point but hmm. that only goes so far because then where are you going to go from here right what are you going to take those experiences if it's truly a resume it's a list of experiences and skills knowledges and abilities what are you going to do with those things to create a new experience a
1: new job oh, a definitely. new
0: title going forward right or how That's could you look- yeah what are you going to do with this
1: what are you going to do with all that What are you going to do with this story? What are you going to do? with Right. Right?
0: How are you going to take that and actually make it into something that actually serves you? And part of that is going back and looking at it Hmm. and thinking like I did. I remember being in my, um, I went into, you asked me about my pivot and like when I I started that healing journey, when I decided to kick my dad out of my life, I went into deep therapy. Like I walked into this therapist's office. I was like, I don't think you're ready for this, but here you go. Here's all my stuff. And every time I. Yeah. Every time I told her a new story, she was like, holy shit, yeah. like enough. Like right. there cannot be more. And I'd be like, oh, yes, there is. And I kept handing her these things. And I remember sitting in her office one day and I said to her, you know what I'm so grateful for is that all of these experiences are going to allow me to help other people because I have such a depth of not only empathy, but perception And like now coping skills and healing skills, I'm going to be able to change lives. And she was like, no, like you are not grateful for this experience. I'm like, screw you. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I think that's part of what we have to like look at and reckon with is using our pain resume, not to excuse and allow and like lock us into this place we are, but actually to say, excuse my language, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Like I am not going to be in that place because of what other people did to me, because then I'm carrying their pain further than they did. Like my parents are dead. Why would I do that?
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, you could, you could very easily (laughs) create a very strong argument for why you're a victim.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: OK, let's talk about because you're using creator language right now. But yeah, right. You I mean, you were victimized as. Hell. Sure. Right. OK, are you a victim?
0: I was victimized. Yes, I am not a victim.
1: Oh, there is a
0: distinction.
1: Well, I'm glad I asked that question. Bring it.
0: So being victimized yeah. is the experience of having been the victim in that moment and experience. There are plenty of people who have either been beaten, raped, manipulated, cheated, stolen from, whatever, like count your, list them out, all the places that you have been a victim, you have been victimized in that moment. What creates a victim is taking that role that you played in that moment because it was the role that you were given Mm. and carrying that into each subsequent experience and orientation toward the world that perpetuates you being locked in that place. Mm. It's like being comfortable being uncomfortable, Mm. you know, and that is not me. And that is not the people that I work with, because that is what I, if if, talking about cage rattler, people get locked into that place of feeling like they are a victim. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope that's a that's a that's a temporal space of being that you must move out of. Now I'm saying all these things throwing privilege out of the conversation because when we start talking privilege and we start talking other experiences that are not in my context that I these things don't apply in the same way, right? Because people can be in situations that they don't have volition over right? So I get, it gets, it gets dicey there. It gets, but I so I want to, I just want to put that shout out there. So I don't sound as ignorant as it might come across That Hey, if you just change your idea about something, you can just not be victimized anymore. Well, Sometimes no, but you can change the mindset to an extent to give you the most amount of power in any situation. And having spoken with, and I, uh, I, have spoken with a number of Holocaust survivors over the years and that is one thing that is one thing that has been impressed upon me by them is that they got to choose how they lived and loved inside their heads. Mm. So they got there was still choice even in that space there was still choice to decide in it and then when they got out, to either leave it there or to take it with them.
1: Mm.
0: And they decided differently than a victim decides.
1: uh, Yeah. How victims, what do victims decide?
0: They decide that perpetually they are at the mercy of outside experiences and influences or past trauma that now excuses every last thing that they may or may not do in their lives.
1: Why would anyone decide that?
0: because it's comfortable.
1: Really? It sounds
0: horrible. It's, it's comfortable because it's familiar. Okay. So if it's why people go back and again and again and again to either the same or familiar abusive situations is because they know their script there. They're like, I know my script. I know my role. Like I know the lines I could, I can predict the next thing that's going to happen. Cause I'm believing these things, and I talk about it in Pain Rebel, that it's part of what we call I call our contracts, is that early on, we either get messages about ourselves or messages about the world that we see through observation or experience that are true. And we decide that that's how the world works. That's how we are. That's how we fit in it. And therefore, there's certainty in that. There's clarity in that. We know that script and we might not even know that it's operating in there, but we know it like we've experienced it and not until someone like me stops them and says, uh, hold up. That's an old contract. That's something you signed before you had the ability, the authority, the knowledge, the awareness to be able to sign anything that would predict the rest of your life. You need to back up and examine if that's a contract that you'd sign today given what it that old contract does with your life and then rip it up, burn that old contract Mm. and create a new one. But a lot of people are under a victim contract because that's what they saw. They were conditioned. They were, they were agreeable to for whatever survival reasons. And then they just carry that with them because they haven't examined their life to know that they have a choice to move away from that.
1: Mm. Uh, Yeah, so one of your mantras is, where did I put it? Uh, Awareness. Is it awareness? Yeah. What? (laughs) Awareness (laughs) equals choice, choice equals power.
0: Yeah. When you become aware, when you wake up, you get out of the, the sleepwalking that most of us are doing in our lives. And you wake up to the idea that things are going on around and in you that either serve you or don't. You then have to wake up to the idea that you have choices, that you always have choices. Ooh. And when you identify what those choices are and you make those intentionally with conviction, whether they're it's a shitty choice or a really abundant open choice, that's how you increase your personal power, not your power over other people, your power from within. My, my kids used to get so mad at me because I'd say, you always have choice. Well, what if the robber has a gun to your head? Well, I say, that's the example of a shitty choice, but you still have a choice.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And when you can see that even in that situation, because when somebody ever, anybody ever says to me, I didn't have a choice. I, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me because <laughs> there's not any experience, Oh man. Yeah. There is not any experience where you do not have a choice again, limited or open, but you always have a choice and becoming aware of those choices allows you to step into making that choice and go, yep, I made that choice. It wasn't a great, it wasn't, I I didn't have great options, but I made the best choice of the choices available to me. Then we start owning and taking responsibility for our journey instead of being in that victim mindset of saying it's somebody else doing it to me. I didn't have a choice. I was forced into it. I had to do it. No, no, no. There is nothing you have to do. And my kid, I swear to you, will say, but you have to breathe. Nope. You don't have to do that either. (laughs) You don't have to. You don't. You can make a choice that makes that stop you always and that's a shitty choice don't ever make that choice but you have a choice you always have a choice and it's elevating that to conscious awareness that provides you with the power that you need to build the life that you were destined and you know given here
1: mm, that's beautiful
0: that opportunity you oh, know uh-huh. like I, I used to have kids in my um, i used to teach ccd which is catholic education for little ones and one of the kids came to me one day and said, um, Miss B, because I had them call me that because I hated being Mrs. Cooper, even when I was. And they said, uh, Miss B, um, what's heaven like? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, listen, I mean, your parents are really responsible for your you know, religious evolution here. But since you asked me, I'm going to give you an adult perspective that may or may not ring true with your parents. You're going to want to go home and ask them the same question. But my take is, There's a whole lot of chocolate and puppies, first (laughs) off, like legit, like there is no way that heaven does not have an abundance of those two things. Separated, of course, because chocolate and puppies don't go together, but there are both. And when you get there, you're asked three questions
1: and I put this in the book. Yeah, you don't even need me here.
0: Oh, no, I totally need you here. I just, no, I just you tuck- don't,
1: because you're, an- look, you're, you're answering all the questions I haven't even asked you. I was just going to ask you. Oh,
0: my God. All right, listen, can I do this one, and then I'm going to shut up, and I'm just going to... No,
1: gonna, I'm just going to tell- take a break. You just keep going.
0: Please don't. Please right. don't. You're, you're, you're right. awesome, and I, and I need you here. I'm just, you're just inspiring me to share, so I'm just going with it. Bring So... Three questions. And three questions. You asked three questions. First, yeah. did you have fun? Okay. Second... Did you use the gifts I gave you to the best of your ability? And third, did you try to leave every situation and person better than you found them? Mm. And if you answer yes to those three questions, come on in.
1: Get the chocolate and the puppies.
0: Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or a garbage collector. It doesn't matter if you had a house on the hill or a shack on the beach. It doesn't matter if you had your retirement fully funded or you were scraping by. It doesn't, the other stuff is all window dressing. It doesn't matter if you're a size 14 or a size two. It only matters if you can answer those three questions.
1: Somewhere you, you, I don't remember which book it was, but you you, you mentioned the story about, you took an abnormal psychology class, Ugh. and after class, you asked the professor, "Hey, if someone, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, if mm. if, a, if, a, if a little baby girl was abused terribly uh, at an age where you couldn't remember it, can you heal from that? Was that is that the right is that like an accurate yep. explanation question? Yeah, yep. what, and what they say."
0: He said, absolutely not. She would be, that child would be forever broken is basically the essence of his answer to me. And in typical rebel fashion, I said, fuck that.
1: (laughs) Did did you like right away say, fuck that? Or did you walk away and go, oh man, I'm big.
0: You know, I walked away in this like fog of, wow, it really is as bad and as hard as it feels. Like I, it was validating, like at one level, like everybody gets pissed when they hear about that professor and they want to track him down. But for me, I thought it was incredibly validating that he was saying to me, that is big. Like if he had said to me, oh yeah, they'd be fine. No problem. I think I actually would have felt worse because I would have felt like my struggle Mm. wasn't proportionate to the experience. But when he said that, and he made it like tragic and impenetrable, and you know, ill, you know, unconceivable that I would ever be better, he gave me something to to drive toward while also acknowledging that I was kind. I was trying to overcome something that was seen as being impossible and that there was there was some dynamic tension with that but i feel like you know it's in every marvel movie right of like i got this i can overcome this you know give me the shield give me the wings give me the cape you know and i can do this thing yeah so don't hate that guy
1: (laughs) okay let's jump to this
0: yeah what's that the f word Oh, the F word. The most powerful <laughs> F word. Let's give,
1: let's give people a, a second to make a, take a guess. Wrong.
0: <laughs> Wrong, because because I've already said that word You've already yeah,
1: yeah, we've already, yeah, dropped, I already dropped. We, we've dropped some bombs. So uh, what is the most powerful F word?
0: It is, um, so first I'm gonna tell you a little backstory to this. So when I was preparing to do my TEDx talk back in early 2018, I was floating the idea of titles around with some of my colleagues and clients and saying what I was going to call the talk. And I like unilaterally, like almost everyone that I said it to had this cringe reaction and said, if you call it that I'll never watch it. And it was how rage saved me and forgiveness redeemed me. And it was because I used the word forgiveness, forgiveness for a lot of people, probably a number of your listeners, or maybe even the vast majority of your listeners is riddled with, um, responsibility that seems, uh, imbalanced. Like somehow you did this bad thing to me. So now I have to do some heavy lifting and I have to give you something back. I have to somehow assuage you of guilt. I have to remove some responsibility or weight that's on you. And I have to give you something like that seems like bullshit. Mm. And I know in my family, it was used as this like uh, currency that if I didn't give forgiveness, then I was unloving. I was not understanding. I was not compassionate. I was cold. I was hard. I was stuck up. I was, you know, whatever that was because I owed it to them if I loved them to give them my forgiveness. And to me, and to a lot of people, what forgiveness means is this like one exoneration, like it didn't happen. It wasn't that bad. It's okay. I got over it. Right. It wasn't, it didn't really harm me. So I forgive you or two that you can come back to me that you can have access, open, unfettered access to me again, because I am going to remove the the block of unforgiveness that I've put between us. And what I learned in going through my own process with my parents, with myself, with my other abusers, is that the anger that I felt, that rage that I felt that was holding them back from me, that like not giving them forgiveness was actually toxic to me. You know, my third suicide attempt at the age of 16, something was poisoning me from the inside out. And what I figured out was that in rage's place, in that angry place, in that holding back the forgiveness place, I could remove that and I could put boundaries up instead. I could make a decision that regardless of me taking, giving them forgiveness of saying, I no longer, am going to hold that rage to keep us separated. I am instead going to hold a decision that you don't get to have access to me because you can't be trusted with my heart, with my body, with my spirit, because you are toxic and in pain and you have not done the necessary work to heal. So you don't get to have access to me, but I could remove the rage and the anger so that I didn't have to live with that holding me back from them anymore. I could simply say, as Robert Brault says, it's giving up the fantasy of of being able to, to make a change to an unchangeable past, right? I I botched the quote, but it's basically that there is no changing the past. So all I'm going to do from here forward is drop it, put it down, put that weight down, and move forward with my life, knowing that I can still make decisions about people not coming close to me if they're too dangerous to do so.
1: Life becomes easier when we learn to accept, when we learn to accept the apology we never got. Yes. Robert who? Robert Brault. I didn't, I just wrote Robert in a question mark. I don't remember where I even got that, Brault. So Brault, yeah. Forgiveness and boundaries.
0: Mm-hmm. Forgiveness and boundaries.
1: Giving up the fantasy of being able to rewrite your unchangeable past.
0: Yes. Mm Hmm. You can't. I was just talking with a client about it this morning. She was she was discussing how she was like you know angry about this and resentful about this, and I we said I said you you can't change it. It it happened, and the more that you carry it into the present, the more you drag that thing with you you continue to hurt yourself. Somebody asked me one time in a, a room full, like it was a conference full of women. We were talking about little landslides. And I was talking about my story. And again, I'm going to drop the other F bomb that, that the other F bomb is one of the women said, how can you not hold on to that? Like, how did you like let that go? And I said, because I said, fuck that they took my past. They don't get my present and they sure as hell don't get my future. If I take that with me and I carry it and I drag it along and I collect all these other pains because I'm still stuck in that pain, then they took that they take now and they take them like every time zone that I have in my life, they take it all and fuck that. They don't get that. I will not, I will not give that up. It was already taken. I can't go back and do anything about that, but I sure as hell can do something about today and tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So this is like divine selfishness is what I'm hearing you describe.
0: Divine selfishness. Yes. Because if I don't take care of the soul and the spirit and the gifts that I was given, then I am the one doing harm. Mm -hmm. I'm the one breaking my own soul apart. I'm the one limiting the, the greatness that I could give in this world. I am, am encumbering myself. They're doing it to me anymore. They did it. It's if I take it with me in the future that I continue to experience it and, and punish myself and try to punish them for it. They're not punished. Most of them are dead or they're eating, you know, hard candies on the, on the couch. Like, they don't care. But I do. Like,
1: right. what? Right.
0: It wasn't mine. They, hate, they handed me their pain. Why am I still holding on to it?
1: Right. Not mine.
0: No, I can validate it that it hurt, yeah. but I can also put it down so it doesn't cause me more harm and other people more harm. My parents did not come to me as evil. They came to me as broken. Mm. They came to oh. me as,
1: as What was the second one? You said broken? Burdened and, and ur- broken. Burdened.
0: Burdened and broken.
1: Yeah. You remind reminded. So of
0: course, of course they were going to hurt me. What else were they going to do?
1: Have you ever heard of this book?
0: Oh, the master. Yes. The mastery of love. He also
1: wrote the four agreements. I think he's more famous for the four agreements, but this one, the the big takeaway I got from this one is your, what you're preaching right now, which is that nobody really wants to hurt anybody else. The only reason we do is because of our own unhealed hurt. If I can remember that, then it's a lot easier for me to not take shit personally and then do the divine selfish forgiveness.
0: So I have uh, said something to my children for a long time. They have a very unhealthy dad emotionally, cosmically. And I've been saying to them since a young age without bashing him, without even mentioning his name in this phrase, but said, I want you girls to always remember that hurt people hurt people. So if you come across someone who hurts you intentionally, they come at you with fire and, you know, swords and, you know, whatever it is emotionally or physically, you are witnessing a person in pain. It's not about not holding them accountable. It's not about letting, letting them close to you. It's not about, you know, creating distance. It's about recognizing that it has, it's not about you. That you have to let them have their pain without letting their pain become yours. You need to see that distinctly that they are they are demonstrating their level of pain. When we are in pain, we we give pain. That's what we do because there's only so much like game of hot potato. I'm holding a hot potato. I want to. I I gotta I gotta do something with it. You want to take it? You want to take it? Because I, I gotta get it out of my hand. It's burning me. And when we do that, when we take that potato from them, and I do this illustration in my TED Talk with my amazingly beautiful and artistic stick figures, ha ha, is
1: amazing.
0: showing that we take the fire from someone else and we hold it and we're like, oh, it's now it's mine. I guess I'm going to take this this paint and I'm going to make it my own. But it was theirs. Was
1: right. They could
0: only give it to us if we if, if they had it to begin with.
1: Yeah, that's the yeah. distinction pain rebel versus pain collector, right? Correct. So, uh, right. the art, the cover art. Yeah. What's going on that's here? It's a
0: voodoo doll. It's, it's a little voodoo doll with a little mm. heart. She's the pain rebel and she is uh, that's her heart yeah. and she is not allowing those little pins to come into her. She is getting them coming at her and she's like and she's saying,
1: no. she's saying um fuck that
0: fuck that that's my little yeah that's my little pain oh, rebel on the front cover i get that. Said,
1: fuck
0: that honest to god that would be the perfect shirt for me Chris yeah no t- I mean I don't know if my daughters would appreciate me walking around with a shirt that said fuck that they probably try to steal it actually But <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good one gonna... what do you
0: got there I'm... Fuck that there you go
1: to go have that shirt made for you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really empowering to decide that that is not going to be allowed in my space. That I, that, and, and a lot of us get really caught up in this, like, oh, that'd be selfish, whatever. And I think to myself, I want you to go back and I want you to look at a little picture of yourself when you were like a small child, you know, your adorable little crazy haircut that your mom gave you with the, you know, stupid bangs or the, you know, the bowl that was around your head, whatever it is. Right. Or you gave yourself, you just, you decided you didn't want bangs anymore. Go back and look at that picture and tell that child, you don't deserve greatness you don't deserve amazing opportunities. You don't deserve love, joy, pleasure, any of it. Look at that child and say that you can't
1: Can't. (laughs)
0: because you're looking at the innocence and the purity that you were put here with until the world got to you. You let it in, you invited it in, you held it inside, you did all sorts of crazy stuff with it. And then you started living your life in these, you know, somewhat painful destructive ways. Well, go back to that kid and tell that kid what what she or he deserves and live that existence. Because that's who you are. You're still in there. I mean, I don't care what we dress ourselves up. We're just, we're still trying to just figure it out, right? We're still trying to figure out how to get the kickball and how not to do Red Rover and you know whatever. Like we're still in that space in our hearts. We just we're like all insulated trying to trying to protect that little kid mm. that beautiful little spirit.
1: Wow, that's perfect. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yes, for yes all that. Thank you, Dr. B. You're a badass. Well, You're you. one badass. Thank you. thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for all this. For all the many bombs you just dropped a million bombs. You just carpet bombed <laughs> us with wisdom. So, uh, where should people go to, um, to connect with you, to follow you? So they can go to
0: my, yeah. They can go to my website, drbridgetcooper.com. Um, they can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, same way, Dr. Bridget Cooper, Bridget Cooper. And, uh, they can check me out on Amazon. I've got pain rebel on audible right now. And for your guests who have listened to this episode, if they reach out to me and just let me know, I can give them a, a code for a free audible download. I'm not sure how long they have before those expire. So they got to get on it, but, um, I do have how, individuals. How, what do they
1: do. What are they, how do they get they there? just
0: Yeah. They go to drbridgetcooper.com and send or go email me at Bridget at drbridgetcooper.com. They can click on a link and just send me a message and uh, let me know that they, Hey, I heard, I heard on uh, Chris Doris's podcast. I heard you. And I'll give them the uh, the code. It's just individual codes where I just give you the code, but there's not one code. There's individual codes. So.
1: so and what they get so but when they get the code, then they put it in what what is it that they get? The Audible.
0: Audible. They put it in uh, yeah, they go Pain they Rebel? go through Amazon. Yep, they can go through Amazon.com, look up Pain Rebel, and they'll have a uh, a link to either you know grab it on Audible, grab it on, you know, uh, That's hard so nice copy. Of you.
1: That's super cool. Thank you for doing yeah. that. And That's then that. I have I'll, the computer guide. Thank
0: you. And then I've got the companion guide because I have a lot of exercises, as you know, from going through pain rebel, I don't just say things, I push you to do things. So I have a companion guide with all the exercises that's downloadable off my website. So if you do get the audio version, you can download that. So you're not, you're not uh, kept out of all those exercises that the people get the hard copy get.
1: Yes, you are the practical rebel.
0: Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in it to win it. And the winning, it means you need to be able to implement the things that I'm saying. They're not just hyperbole and like nice, beautiful statements that get you all motivated for a minute. And then you go home and you're like, what did she say again? No, no, no. I want you to put that, that stuff into action.
1: That's so perfect. So let's just recap that last little bit before we bounce. So people can download, go through that again, please. The Like an action. Uh-huh.
0: Go to Amazon.com. You uh, can look up Pain Rebel. You'll find my book. Click yep, on it. Yep. You can either order it on Kindle, hard copy, or if you want Audible, you can click on Audible. If you've emailed me before you click on Audible, let me know. You can email me through my website or Drbridgetcooper.com. At at Dr. And I will provide you with a with a code that on when you click on that audible link, you can download Pain Rebel for free. And head back on over to my website and download anytime, you can do it now, the free uh, workbook, basically, of all the exercises from Pain Rebel right there on my website.
1: That's so clutch. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to put that link. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I hope they reach out. I hope you guys reach out to me. I mean, ask me a question. You know, you and I have, have bantered back and forth on, uh, on email a few times. And anytime anybody's got a question, if they're a listener of yours, they're a friend of mine.
1: Oh, that is so cool. Look at her. Uh, huh? Dr. B. <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure.
1: There you go. That That is the definition of a creator. <laughs> Dr. B, I think I mentioned it in the interview, Had has every excuse imaginable, right, to play victim, and she chooses not to. Choice. We always have choices. <clears throat> Man, how many wisdom bombs did she drop? Well, she explained the cage rattler. I'm glad because I was confused about that. That's pretty cool. Hurt people hurt people. When we're in pain, we give pain. So... Um, yeah, look her up, drbridgetcooper.com. Let's get that workbook. I want to get that. And the coupon for the code for the audible version of Pain Rebel. That's a generous offer for her. So reach out to her and go get your code so you can get your copy of her book. And I really loved the whole uh, Beauty of Rage and Forgiveness with Boundaries piece. Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. B, for that. And thank you guys for tuning in, as always. And uh, until next time, great miracles.